Welcome to McDonald's. What can I get you today? Hi, she'll have the quarter pounder with cheese, extra mustard, no pickles, and I'll have a 10-piece chicken McNuggets. And, and two sides, sides of ranch, please. The we've done this before meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Bald Movie. This time Jim and I are reaching way back into the archives, almost 20 years, for 1992's Universal Soldier. This is, I don't think it's the day... Almost deb- 20 years? Well, more than 20 oh, years. I almost said, I meant to say, almost 30 years. Yeah. I almost said the right thing and then I decided not to. <laughs> Gotta stick with the brand. Uh, this is not the directorial debut, but just about, for one Roland Emmerich, mm-hmm. who will go on to bigger and bigger blockbuster budgets... And along with his writing partner, Dean Devlin, uh, this is their first team up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also features stars Dolph Lundgren. It stars Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, it stars Ali Walker, uh, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Uh, I have a soft spot for this film because it's something me and a, a good buddy of mine uh, who I've referred to as, uh, from time to time as Jonesy on the podcast. It was his f- favorite movie of all time, and we probably watched it. Once a week for an entire summer back in like maybe 94 or 95. Hmm. Uh, so I have a lot of fond memories. Um, to me, this is kind of like one of the last gasps of the the 80s action movie genre where, where you know, by, by the end of the 90s, early 2000s, like you, things had to make more sense to be successful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could I couldn't help but watching this thinking. Man, it must have been so easy to write movies in the 90s. Yeah. Like early 90s, late 80s. Because technology was fantastic in its possibility, uh-huh. but people didn't understand its limitations. So, sure. Like, super cool, some soldiers. Mm-hmm. You're good to go. Uh, Jim, what did you think of this movie? Uh, so, this is the first time I've seen this movie. Mm. Really? Certainly, certainly all the way through. Parts of it seemed familiar, like that fight near the end at the farmhouse. Uh, out near the barn seemed familiar to me. Well, that's just because Van Damme solves every problem with kickboxing. Like, it's true. Like yeah. once you get to the kickboxing portion of a Van Damme film, it's right. it's your your home free. <laughs> kind of know what you're in for. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, my dad was a big martial arts film fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you know, doesn't isn't exactly a martial arts film, but it's tough guys punching each other film. Right. He, he loved those things, and he was always watching them. And yeah. I was not technically allowed to watch with him right. on most of these things, but. So many times, you know, he's watching him in the living room, and I just walk by and see yeah. and hang out. You know, John Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren punching each other, maybe in hang a out until mom shoes you away. Exactly. So, I've probably seen parts of this before, but I've never seen the whole thing. You were talking a lot about this movie. I might have uh, talked it up too much. <laughs> I think you talked it up too much and put maybe expectations that had no business being in my head into my head going into this film, thinking, okay, this is going to be a cool movie. And then I realized, oh, this is a Roland Emmerich film. Uh-huh. Because it tells you right up front. Yep. And then I got like halfway through this movie and I was like, oh, this is not a good movie. <laughs> this, is a, this is actually a bad movie, but it has its moments. I'll yes. say that. Because there are a couple of scenes in here that I really love. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think this movie is good in the same way that like Commando is good. And that it's just a yes. pure. And in fact, I'll argue. I'm going to argue right now. Uh, this is a better film than Commando. It just has a pretty massive step down in the charisma of its star. But even then, like you we can, might have to dissect that a little later. I, I, I we can dissect it right now because okay. uh, 
I think Arnold's inherently more charismatic and mm. certainly uh, this. So this movie got a lot of guff for being a Terminator 2 clone. And you can definitely see that with like, you know, the fact that Jean-Claude Van Damme is successful mostly and just pulling mm-hmm. way back with no emotion, no expression. Uh, it's not asked of him. It's not requesting. He yeah. hijacks like a civilian uh, that's, ga- you know, it, there's a lot of parallels here. Uh, you got the fish, you know, they, they do just like Arnold's got the hasta la vista and mm-hmm. you know all that stuff you got uh, the recurring the recurring motif of Jean Van Jean-Claude Van Damme taking his clothes off at uh, the drop of a hat yeah um but i think it's like a better movie structurally than commando it has much better villains for the main hero to like Dolph Lundgren is just an absolute upgrade over whatever sack of shit pork sandwich they got to play the main bad guy of commando and it makes oh, yeah. at least as much sense. And, like, yes, there's maybe some cringy stuff between him and Ali Walker. But, like, holy shit, the stuff to, between Schwarzenegger and uh, um, Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano, the first 10 minutes yeah. of Commando is not good. No, it's not. It's really it's, not. It's really bad. So, I mean, I, I know you love Commando uh-huh. because it's just spectacle. It's like it's just an excuse for Arnold to lift trees and right. throw men around and rip phone booths out of the ground. You know, I, I guess maybe if Van Damme did his trademark split split kick, mm-hmm. this would be the the perfect vehicle for him. I mean, there there are a lot of roundhouses, like a lot of roundhouses, flying roundhouses. Uh, he's it's kind of one other thing he was known for. It's funny because you said that this isn't a martial arts film, and I agree. Mm-hmm. But like the third act is just they they put down the guns, and it's just a martial arts film. I, I feel like that's in John Claude Van Damme's contract. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's got to get a flying a spinning kick, yep. or he's got to get a splits in there somewhere, or get sand thrown in his eyes. Sure, something, preferably all three, <laughs> at the same time. Um, but so many of these scenes, like, uh, like, like me and Jones used to quote to each other. Anytime one of us would get hurt, like, you always like had to have the the bleeding had stopped. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're if it's time to go swimming, you gotta you gotta do that. I have to cool down. Uh, my, put, my favorite line, uh-huh. uh, and it's the cheesiest by far, I think, is when they're fighting at the end, and you know it's a, it's about to, the scene's about to climax because uh, he's just injected himself with the horse serum, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, what? Yeah, the the muscle strengthener. Sure. Uh, and Dolph Lundgren says, "Say good night, good night, asshole." Mm-hmm. And he grabs his arm and twists it and says, "Good night, asshole." Mm-hmm. It's so cheesy and bad. There's a lot of the forced one-liners that Dolph and uh, Jean-Claude are doing that don't entirely work, but him mm-hmm. pushing a truck 30 miles an hour, yep. every time he strips down bare-ass naked, so hilarious. <laughs> he bends over and looks through his own legs at her. Oh, that's what I'm... That, that <laughs> whole scene my favorite. of him saying, you got to find a tracking device, look for something unusual, something hard, and they yeah. go like... Obviously, she grabs his dick. Obviously, gets hard. He asks if it's normal. She finds it, and then when he bends over... And looks at him like you're through the, the aperture of his thighs and ball sack. It's just I I don't know, man. It's art. It's it's approaches. It approaches that action film art. Then it just tickles me to death. Yeah, there's some good comedic scenes. I, for instance, I love the scene where in the diner where he's eating all the food. Yeah. And he just thrashes these poor fools who come at him for no good reason. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I like I'm I'm trying to determine like how much he knows at any given moment about his surroundings and and who he is and what he is. Right. Uh, and 
I don't think he really fully understands it until he gets to the doctor's house. Yeah. Uh, which is after that scene. So yeah. you kind of think, well, he doesn't understand. But he's looking at this man as if he doesn't understand the concept of eating. Sure. This old guy who's sitting there eating a, a plate of potatoes and steak or whatever. Or, or payment or... Yeah, he, well, there are problems around that, but we'll get there. Housekeeping. Here's what's happening on baldmove.com this week. Of course, our weekly coverage of Star Trek Picard and HBO's The New Pope continues. We had a wrap-up podcast for our Bald Move annual charity drive. If you'd like to hear our thoughts on that, head over to the Bald Movies feed and give it a listen. It's time for the fifth annual Bald Move Awards. It's actually supposed to come out later this week, but we uncovered a Baldy scandal. We sent out a round two of our listener choice for the Baldies Awards last week, and we left off all the listener nominations from the first round. So it was essentially the listener choice of the Bald Move choices. That's no good. We now have a corrected survey at baldies.baldmove.com if you would like to, for the final time, have a say in who takes home the coveted Baldies gold. Please go to baldies.baldmove.com. That link is in the show notes. We'll release the award show as well as all our deliberations for it next week. This week on Bald Movies, we're watching Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren in the cult classic sci-fi action film 1992's Universal Soldier. Look for that out Thursday, and next week, we're seeing Sneakers, the weird little 1992 hacker movie starring Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Bing Kingsley, River Phoenix, and Sidney Poitier. Universal Soldier this week, Sneakers next on the Bald Movies feed. And, and I think that there that is... Uh... I think that's supposed to be like a fun kind of scene, like Arnold uh, nakedly thrashing a biker bar, mm-hmm. you know, like seeing this guy, seeing this guy just completely clean house. But, you know, uh, you, when you walk into a, bar, a biker bar, you have a particular kind of like understanding of the moral situation of the people in there, I'll say. Okay. You know, a bunch of one percenter types. A bunch of out like they're supposedly be outlaws. They're they're probably bad dudes. Maybe they're running guns. Maybe they're running drugs. But they're probably up to no good, raising hell. So like uh, Arnold just beating the fuck out of them is like, you know, it's mutual combat. Let's say mm-hmm. he's just whipping ass in a small town diner. Like none yeah. of these people asked for this or wanted this, no. or they're probably more or less good people. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it's, uh, it's, it's very bizarre how, how long and how much it's, uh, it reminds me a lot of like, um, you remember in the Jackie Lee remake of Karate Kid where they engineer a scene where he just beats the holy hell out of like 12 and 13 year olds. Yeah. It reminds me of that. Like it's undeniably cool, but why am I rooting for the guy? This <laughs> just because the movie, this guy's the movie's kind of notably the protagonist They're or punks. notionally. They're punks. That's why. They're punks. Yeah. It's a punk diner. Bunch of podunk. Yeah, these guys. I mean, he beats the hell out of the chef who's been slave, as he points out, has been slaving away, cooking him burger after burger after steak for hours. Uh huh. Or maybe minutes. I don't know how they get all that food out so fast while she's on the phone or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, he's been doing his job. The guy can't pay. He's deadbeat and he demands money and then he gets his ass kicked. I do wonder why the demand of, like, you want to pay for this, pal? Like, uh, that would. That that question would have gone like before you cooked the food and brought it out, like when the order comes back. This guy wants how many steaks and how many, he wants yeah. like a uh, hundred dollars of the food. You come up and be like, hey, "Are you gonna pay for this, pal?" You know, at this small diner, it's probably like five dollars a plate or something. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, like maybe, but like you don't cook the food, bring it out, and then mm-hmm. before the guys even had a chance to, pl- to really plow into it, you question like how he's gonna pay. Like, yeah, I don't know. 
The movie needed I, him to kick a bunch of small town ass. The best shot in that entire scene is the guy being kicked onto the pool table, uh-huh. and then all the balls go in the pockets. <laughs> it's like this elaborate bank shot. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like there's a lot of like really waka waka. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah, it's funny, huh? Huh? Um, which I like I said, I enjoyed them all. Um, what do you think of the premise? Because I think that's one of the cool things. Like, I. I I think this movie would have worked better in the early 80s rather than early 90s because Vietnam's pretty far back in our cultural rear mirror at that point. Uh, You had uh, the wildly successful first Desert Storm where everybody felt good about how that, you know, ran and sat him off of Kuwait and everybody's uh, international heroes. Um, I wondered why they didn't go with that. Like this, the premise is inherently less silly if these were like resurrected uh, veterans from the first Gulf War, which was just like two years in, in this movie's contemporary past. Um, yeah, instead of 25. Yeah, like they just been, these guys have been hanging out in a meat locker since 1969. How? Why? Like they've been dead, like in the jungle, body bagged, days. I mean, yeah, I have I have a thousand questions about how the tech of this stuff works, but the the basic premise itself, like, is that, not even feasible but is that something that the military would want to do i think Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah like this is like this is jason Bourne only with dead soldiers uh instead of uh still still living volunteers i guess uh but i I thought it was kind of like interesting the movie doesn't do much with the concept like there's no like you know asking about the morality of this or how the men feel or what kind of consent is involved but i thought the concept itself is intriguing and i thought the unisole Universal Soldier technology was cool. Like, I like their base truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it kind of transforms as mobile laboratory. I like the back to tanks everywhere. Mm-hmm. I like the cryo tanks. Uh, I like the drug cocktails and the memory wipes. And uh, I like the weird eyepieces. Um, yeah. Wh- what do you... Um, I think that there's there might have been confusion or maybe they didn't even des- decide this until after the movie whether they wanted these guys to be like robots. Mm-hmm. Uh, cybernetically because like every time they move there's this like rrr, 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 and i think you're supposed to understand that it's there the is. eyepiece focusing oh okay but they kind of had that in there so it's like maybe they're robots uh they're dead but are they really alive is there anything left in there no it seems like so the doctor's explanation is that they hyper accelerated their bodies which to me doesn't say like anything do. about robotics right? right right that says more about like i think the thing the the reason they had those eyepieces mm-hmm. is because they were being commanded, you know, by the the people who are watching those feeds, and so they yeah. needed real time feedback. But why do you hide one of the soldiers' eyes? Like, I, I I get like why you would clamp the the. Is it just to make them look creepy? Because like I didn't right. seem like they had any like extra. It wasn't like uh, they had like targeting computers or shit. Yeah, like maybe, Terminator Vision. Or maybe anything. you're supposed to understand that because they're also like taking crazy sniper shots with silenced pistols. Yeah, like in the Hoover Dam scene. Maybe, mm-hmm. but but I maybe I could have I could use some inset shots of them like doing that like targeting computer stuff. Oh, there are a lot of inset shots you could have used. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and they chose not to in this movie. Uh, but yeah, I mean the the ideas were interesting. I sort of expect from modern movies for them to at least try to explain a little bit better how these things work um, in semi-plausible ways. But this movie doesn't even bother. This movie just simply says we overclocked these people, Mm -hmm. these dead bodies. And that gives them super strength. It gives them super healing. 
Their yeah. only weakness, though, is... And, and, but it's cold. Like, the cold heals them, even though their bodies are hyper or overclocked, and the I heat think it's, is... I think it's more like their bodies will burn out unless they're actively cooled. Okay. So, like, once they get overheat, they start getting confused. They start breaking down. So, like, you know, it's it's not necessarily that the cold cools them. It's just their metabolism is so fast, they'd burn up without the, the constant cooling. The, the cold definitely helps heal them. Yes, because for sure. you see them, you know, in ice baths and stuff, and yeah. they start healing like instantly. So. Could, uh, close up. Yeah. Um, I. What do you think of the end? Because I thought the first ten minutes of like a pretty effective, like short war film, like you know, yeah, it's, it's a beginning bad. and end, and uh, I, I love the moment where Dolph Lundgren uh, is he's gone crazy. He's made this necklace of ears. And he says something to Jean-Claude Van Damme, and he says, do you hear me? And he's shaking the ears at him. It's There's so lots stupid. of it. And then later on when, uh, so stupid. when he's got the ear necklace again, he's like, go ahead and tell me I'm all ears. And <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fucking dumb. But yeah. uh, I don't know. Maybe they went with the... Because um, that's the other thing. It's like, it would make more sense to go with like a Desert Storm vet, but I don't know that there's like a platoons worth of casualties in the first Desert Storm. Hmm. And also, like I think Americans probably have been outraged. Just like there's been all there's been there'd been enough uh, apocalypse now. There'd been enough platoons that le- there'd been enough reporting that like people had made peace with the fact that some of our GIs over there were behaving less than gallantry. Like you know, there's like documented these ear necklaces and stuff. Where it's mm-hmm. like if you suggested that like Desert Storm vets had been earing it up yeah. and brutalizing, uh, you know, uh, um. Uh, innocent people in our in Iraq or Kuwait, uh, they wouldn't have believed it back in '92. Yeah, it wouldn't have gone over well. Um, but I because yeah, yeah, they're playing with some dangerous pieces here. You know the the idea of traumatic stress uh, on war veterans and massacres in war, like they're playing with some dangerous pieces. But yeah. they are years and years on from yeah. that war, and I think it almost helps them to be that far away from a war. That's what I was. I thought conceptually, like this movie has got the bones of a much better movie, like of a little mm-hmm. bit more budget, a little bit better writing. Yeah. Uh, because it is something that, like, yeah. the fact that like the thing that happened at their death is this uh, trauma that they're that they have they can't move past. It's the one thing yeah. they can't get over. Is a pretty interesting take on post traumatic stress, like your life ends at that moment and then it turns into something else. Um, uh, and, 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 uh, I don't think the movie had much of a stake in like whether a soldier can recover from that. No, uh, because it does seem like that he got more and more of his memories back. Like he eventually recognized his parents, uh, yeah, but there's no arc for those characters, right? Right. Those characters I'm, have zero arc. Yeah, they like, are what, who they are at the end of the film and the beginning. of the Yeah. Film. What happens to Devereaux at the end of this? Is he still a super soldier? Like, does he die? When he stops getting the injections and medical treatments, I assume. Uh, is he cool if he just chills out in air conditioning the whole time? I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't think the movie. Uh, they're now. How interested are? <laughs> how interested are you in exploring the Universal Soldier cinematic universe? Because there's like ten of these things now. <laughs> You're right. I've seen the second one, which is terrible me and Josie watched it like uh, in our depths of our universal soldier fandom oh boy and it didn't star any of the originals they had the same characters but they just recast them as people you've never heard of and it's just terrible one of these movies has been removed from canon after the fact oh man i wonder if it's one of that because like they they eventually brought back like uh, there's many many movies that have Dolph yeah. Lundgren and Jean Claude Van Damme back in them, titled Universal Soldier. And I yeah. wonder, like, how do you do that? Is that post Universal Soldier? 
because I don't know. Or is it like prequels? It's got to be prequels, right? How do you do that? Because these guys are like 30 years fucking... older by the time they get around to making some of these direct-to-video. Yeah, it's got to be prequels. I mean, Dolph Lundgren's character, uh, Andrew Scott, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that Scott. sounds wrong. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Isn't Scott. Isn't that an actor's name? I think so, Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, Dolph Lundgren, the actor Andrew Scott, uh, got ground up in the machinery at the end of this. Like, That's true. Ir- ir- irrevocably, There's right? There's not like, a vice in the world. No. None of ice in the world, Doc. No. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. That's uh, but, but also, prequel. what is the point of prequels with these guys? They have they're literally, it'd be like a prequel of Terminator Two, where you go back and see the Cyberdyne Systems 101 yeah. skeleton, what he was getting up to before the Resistance kidnapped him. I bet it's a lot of stomping around, killing Resistance members. <laughs> Probably. I yeah. bet there's not much character development to be had there. Probably not. I kind of want to go back. I kind of want to check out at least one. I might subject one of you to one of these in a double hook. Yeah, we might movie situation because uh, we can always tap out if it's too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the principles in this film. Uh, way back when we did a series of podcasts where we attempt to rank all the badasses in cinematic history, mm-hmm. and like Van Damme and uh, Lundgren were always like, you know, we had like the tier one badasses. You've got like Schwarzenegger, you got Stallone, you've got like these tier two where you've got, um, you know, guys who convincingly play like really tough roles, even though they don't particularly look it, like uh, Clint Eastwood, Bruce Willis. Uh, Bruce Willis. And then you've got the tier, the, the, the tier C badasses, like Jean-Claude and, and Dolph that, that have the tools, but maybe there's some accent problems. Maybe they just never got the right script. Uh, how does this movie, does this movie do anything like for you, for, for Jean-Claude or... I don't think so. Dolph. I've seen Jean-Claude Van Damme be more charismatic than this film, obviously. What In what movie? Uh, in basically every other movie he's in. Like, this oh, is I, his okay. Terminator, right? Like, you're right, you're this right. This is the one where he's not supposed to be any of those things. You're right. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme can turn it on in the charisma department. That's true. I, I think he he every once in a while in this movie, he'll, like, have a goofy look or flash a smile or something that makes you think, okay, maybe there's more to this actor but like i've seen him in even things like Bloodsport and mm-hmm. kickboxer and mm-hmm. those older things uh he's he's got the charisma Dolph lundgren i'm not sure i've ever seen any real charisma from him but i think he's a decent actor mm. like even in this movie i thought he did a really good job i was surprised yeah. at how uh you know his american accent was good like they don't give him a lot to do, but like you know right. that, uh, and they undercut everything he does. Like when he starts up this like you know kiss ass or kick ass speech, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was pretty interesting and kind of terrifying from the perspective of like people in that supermarket. But they undercut it by having this giant man just chow- chowing down on raw steak behind him the whole time. Yeah. Like a, like this this guy's trying to win an Oscar and you got a dude just just <laughs> cavemanning up this steak in the background. It's hilarious. It's it's yeah. ridiculous. It is, and and with better material, with a character that has an arc, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, you you might have had a better performance out of him. But I think he's pretty good. Allie Walker, I like in this film a lot. I think she's a really interesting Kathleen Turner type. You know, like this this sturdy gal that's uh, got this kind of like husky voice, and she's pretty unflappable. Yeah, I was getting like a, a fuck. We just saw a movie with her in it she's the the woman from terminator oh linda hamilton linda hamilton i got really? a linda hamilton vibe from her yeah i didn't think she's that badass but uh no not that badass she's just like the the 
something about the style, especially the first Terminator movie. Yeah. Who's... Where she's like far less badass. Um, I don't know. She seems like just a straight up upgrade to who's the the Indiana Jones woman from the Temple of Doom. Marion. No, no, she's not that good. Oh, from Temple <laughs> of Doom. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like Ricky or whatever her name is. Like, I, she's just a better version of that. And I was surprised because she got some. There, she was. Uh, I think in Sleepless in Seattle, she had a couple of hmm. pretty, fr- pretty big guest starring roles. Um, she's done a lot of TV work, but like, I don't know. She never. Really, this this is kind of like the, the the near the peak of her career. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah. Uh. I want to talk some other highlights that I really enjoy, like the opening hostage situation after you get done with the 10 minute short film about Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought them running, repelling down the dam was cool. And I'd never seen yeah. anything like that before. Um, Very cool. And it's like, this is also like, I think if this movie got made 10 years later, uh, you'd actually have the military get involved and they would actually, you know, because that this is a weird stage where it's like they just kind of like put together uniforms from different eras mm-hmm. and they can't get like Blackhawks. So they're like getting like shitty Hueys and stuff. Um, but I thought that like the military hardware they had, the helicopters and stuff, these guys repelling was really cool. Uh, I also love the fact that these Universal Soldiers come in and like murder everyone on the opposition and everyone's crowing about there was no casualties and no injuries, <laughs> except for the 12 guys whose brains we blew out all yeah. over the dam. The bad guys. But they don't count. They don't count. No, like, that's still a casualty, guys. though, right? It is, yeah. And, I mean, it's clearly a cover-up, right? Like, yeah. one of their own unisols gets killed. Sort of. Well, They yeah, put him in the back of the tank, and he's right as rain later on. True. I guess they might not count that as a casualty. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was a pretty good and... Um, Pretty good action scene and with some exciting stuff I'd never seen before. Uh, I thought that the the Unisols kind of attacking the hotel or the motel uh-huh. was good. They had the them hiding in the waterbed scene. Yep, I love it's that. It's fucking ridiculous in just the best way. Uh-huh. Um, I love like when Sarge finally snaps and goes off the reservation. Like these guys are wearing these big hazmat suits with like you know kind of like hard and flexible helmet shells, and he punches through the guys. Mm-hmm. the guy's face screen grabs him by his face and just kind of jerks it to the side and it apparently breaks his neck yeah just by grabbing him from the face superhuman strength can't can't, can't spin his head by more than 10 degrees mm-hmm. and it's enough to sever his, uh, his neural cord i fucking love that um i love okay so sarge is stomping around with this necklace made of ears in the third act of this movie and he goes up to this one uh bar i forget what exactly the situation where all these kind of like uh you know, ne'er do wells are crowding around him and like poking fun at him. And the littlest guy, yeah, the buckaroo, <laughs> the, the buckaroo says, uh, nice necklace, man. You got one. Ma- Who mocks uh, the man that looks like that that has a dripping, bloody necklace of near, uh, nears in my necklace notes, of ears? Why would you pick a fight with a guy who's twice as large as you and has a necklace of bloody human ears? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I 100% feel you on that. And I then, would never pick and a then fight Lundgren with without saying anything just kicks back and like rapidly kicks three of these guys in the face, except uh-huh. for the little guy who he spares. Yeah, he was too low. Oh, uh, right. Lundgren right. can only kick very yeah. high. He has to kick like at his shoulder height or above. Yes. So if you're under six foot tall, you're you're actually safe. You're safe. But like, yeah, this guy. Uh... But, you know, again, I think it's better. That's why I think it's better than Commando, because that that buckaroo guy would have mm-hmm. been like the B, the, the number two villain of Commando. <laughs> right. He would have been the guy who Arnold gets the, the, the hold one legged over the cliff. Yeah. 
Um, I lied. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like, Garth. Has there ever in the history of mankind been, uh, has there ever been a black man with the name of Garth? (laughs) Because... I'm I'm not privy to all all black people's names. Uh Uh-huh. But I'm going to guess... It's not common. It's a point point one percent of population, uh, and this guy's on the Universal Soldier team, and the head of the, <laughs> the head of the the head scientist or whatever, they get this idea that like they got Dolph Lundgren, he's running out of his cold juice, mm-hmm. so they get him to recline on his cold couch, and they're like, aha, this is the time we're going to go in there, we're going to hit him with the needle, and Garth uh, steps in front of the old 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 white guy and says, wait a second. Let me take this. It, it'll yeah. it'll be. What does he say? It'll be like more believable. Yeah. Why? Something about his role within this. It, group? It'll look better if I go. Why would it look better if you go? I don't know. Why can't they control these things remotely? Like. Yeah. It why seems do they rely... shocking that they have to order these people to inject themselves? Yeah. Like what if of just... one of them's just freaking the fuck out? Yeah. You know. Uh. So he's like, you yeah, know, let let me take this one. Uh. And. He, <laughs> somehow so so Dolph of course uh Sar- Sarge Sergeant Andy mm-hmm. uh sees this coming a mile away grabs the guy holds him down on a different couch hits the button this needle goes through the guy's skull through mm-hmm. the, it pops out like six inches out of his cheek yeah I, I actually think there was something wrong with the needles on this couch there really were yeah <laughs> um but uh, and then the old guy finally uh, he tries to redeem himself by like in you know by having everybody in the lab sacrifice himself for him. Yeah. Okay. I don't understand this. Like he has this Unisol hold this grenade for thirty seconds. Yep. And and let go of it. Yep. After that. Yep. And he gets his hand. He gets caught. his hand stuck in the grip of the Unisol. He gets his hand stuck, and I think there's a way you could sell that. There is, but they didn't choose that option here uh, there, there like the everything was just fine on the first take like uh oh, you know, yeah. it's like the guy in, collapses in the like well oh he's only got my pinky it's fine it's fine it's it's just yeah. you know this guy's really strong he's got your pinky <laughs> like yeah it's really weird and also or, or can you not put your hand on the grenade so that when he lets go you'll still be holding the thing also like, can't you say uh, uh you're making up orders anyway can't you say like oh the guy changed his mind he wants you yeah. to uh not let go of their grenade and slow. I don't know. There's got to be some way to get your out, get yourself out of the situation. The yeah. other thing, they give him 30 seconds, so it's not an exciting countdown. And then nope. they cut away and they cut back, and the guy's just kind of like looking there awkwardly, like as the guy's counting down five, four. Mm-hmm. There's no real tension because the guy's like almost embarrassed. Like, I got myself in this situation. This giant man's got me enmeshed in his grip. I'm just, I guess I'm just going to die of a grenade. Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, I I, I put this against like uh, the, 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 the Cyberdyne researcher that dies in Terminator 2 where he's got the, like he's heavy breathing and, you know, there's, there's, there's like a moment to that. And this guy just, he gets his pinky caught in a Universal Soldier <laughs> finger trap and he's just going to die because of it. Now, there are a lot of moments like that in this film. I think... Like it's clear that this is one of Roland Emmerich's early directorial yeah. Uh, attempts, yeah. Because he gets so much better, even in in four years. He's only got, I think he's only going to direct two more films after uh, this. Before or he gets Independence, it, Day. two Independence, Day, yeah. So he does yeah. Stargate after this, and then he does Independence Day after that. 
So he like does Stargate, he goes from ju- right from this to Stargate. Yeah. Whole, as far as directing, because you can see a lot of that, like the Universal Soldier van, how intricate and it like transforms, yeah. how cool. Like you can see in like uh, there's a scene where he <laughs> goes way overboard, blow it up this gas station. Uh-huh. But you can see him putting together this tool set that's going to serve him very well eventually. I can't believe yeah. I thought there might be something in between this and Stargate. Uh, no, I'm looking at his director credits and it's just like. He does big movie after big movie after this. It's Universal Soldier in 92, Stargate in 94, Independence Day in 96, Godzilla 98, The Patriot 2000, Day After Tomorrow 2004. It starts to get, you know, shakier around Godzilla time. But like, he loses his damn mind. In four years, he's going to do Independence Day, which I think is a great, uh, an amazingly directed film. Mm -hmm. You can say what you want about the writing and like the the plots, but like, yeah, those films are really well directed. This one is really shaky. He got when you lucky. Look at his future work. So I looked up this that this was attached to some other director who bowed out, and he came in at like the last minute to shoot it. Oh, and okay. it was cri- critically panned. Did you read Ebert's review? I did. Yes. Uh, he, he he didn't like John Claude Van Damme or Dolph Lundgren. He only really liked Ali Walker. Right. Um. But he he hated that movie. This thing got critically panned, but it made like four times its budget. Yeah. Like in, like it's such a fluke that like we would not have a Roland Emmerich with the career he had if this movie didn't flukely just just overperform all expectations. I wonder why it did. It was on the back of Jean Claude Van Damme. You know, I, I didn't have he time. He was big around that time. I, I wanted to. He was biggish. I yeah. wanted to look and see what its competition was. I didn't have time to see like in in when it came out in the calendar year. Um, I just remember that like. It had a very cool looking box. It had like Jean Van, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. I don't know why I want to just rearrange his <laughs> yeah. names. It had uh, JCVD and Dolph Lundgren, like you know, staring at you with their cool cyber soldier shit. Mm. Just Universal Soldier, and the back of the box had an explosion and a good looking woman on it. Like it, it, it was good rent bait. And but, but it also just made money bank off. It made box office. It, it made bank at the box office. Yeah, it really did. So I wonder if it just came out at the right time. People were maybe clamoring for a good action film because those things had starting to, you know, started to die off. Yeah, I was looking through our list of films from 92 and there's like a lot of sequels to once great action films like Lethal Weapon 3 was this Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alien 3 was this year. You had stuff like Under Siege, which is, you know, Steven Seagal vehicle. Right. There's another Uh, one. Speaking of tier three. He's not doing any flying spin kicks. I'll no, tell you that not. much. No, he's doing the single finger flips is what he's doing. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, yeah, and Universal Soldier, which I guess did pretty well. So it's I'm original. It, it's like top 20 box office. In... It's original. It's got it's got a it's sci-fi concept, which kind of sets mm-hmm. it apart. Um, I, I Yeah, I and it, it had a good poster. Uh, and you're right, yeah, people. Funny. Dolph Lundgren was a name. Like he had, you know, done... Uh, still like you're you're like seven years out from rocky four everybody liked rocky four uh he's a master of the universe like lots of kids liked him in that like i remember my cousins yeah. being crazy about master of the universe uh he was in uh, this b- low budget punisher like one of marvel's first forays into cinema uh he's in a low budget punisher uh vehicle and then he got this so like these guys had a little bit of name recognition and but yeah, if 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 this movie comes out and and makes 20 30 million like it probably should have versus yeah. a 20 like then you don't get Stargate, you don't get Independence Day. Probably. Uh you don't get Godzilla. <laughs> what yeah. a world we'd be living in without the day after tomorrow. A probably worse world. I love Independence Day. 
Oh, of course, of course. Uh, uh, there are some problems with this movie, and I want to talk about them. Let's let's talk about it. Okay, Th- there's there's a really big one that's just so fucking obvious. I can't believe like the studio didn't come back with a note, or somebody didn't come back with a note. I don't think there's any notes in this movie. <laughs> there must not have been because like, uh, okay, so I think it's real dumb how they try and explain the technology here because they don't explain the technology. They just say, right, we made their cells run faster. Yep, overclocked their their cells, whatever. Uh, but there's a scene. The, the diner scene, right? Mm-hmm. The whole crux of that scene is this a man, this is a man who's ordered a bunch of food and doesn't have the money to pay. Mm-hmm. So then they get out of that situation. They go to the doctor's house. The very next scene after that is him buying her a bus ticket. With what money? Every person his ass he kicked, he robbed. <laughs> he also swiped their wallets. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, okay. uh, he, he just uh, sleight of handed their wallet out as he's roundhouse kicking them through the <laughs> right. window and. Yeah, this is what I mean when I say maybe she exp- that'd be a good point for her to explain the value of money. He's like, this guy came up and threatened me. He's talked about paying. I don't know what paying is. I don't know what money is. Right. They needed insert shots, right? They needed like this, the, a B-roll of him swiping wallets from people he's kicking or something uh, to just explain how the hell he could buy her a bus ticket because it makes zero sense. I <laughs> I agree. And it's so obvious. Does. It's so fucking obvious. Yeah. Well, it, I'm actually somewhat surprised they didn't try to put um they didn't try to push like a romantic angle too. Yeah. Yeah, I got to the end of the movie I was like, "Oh, these are just like people helping each other. They're not yeah. they're not trying to this is not time And cop. it wouldn't make He's any fucking anybody. sense. It wouldn't make any fucking sense. Right. Um but I'm kind so of glad squicky. they didn't. She's like banging a dead guy. I, and he's also like doesn't have his men- it's kind of like uh I can see like maybe it would start a romance, and that's kind of like uh, I was thinking the closest analogy to this movie is probably the Born Identity, right? Like a super soldier who's had his background, has had his memories erased, okay, and he doesn't know who he is, and yeah. he uh, um, f- f- you know meets this girl, and there's some chemistry there, but like none of them really act on it because why the hell would you in this situation? Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was an unusual amount of restraint for like '92. Roland Emmerich and Jean Claude Van Damme for that fat matter mm-hmm. because you know he liked uh, he he likes his uh, action hero romances I think yeah no hats off to Dean Devlin for not trying to shoehorn that in here yeah yeah maybe they did and they just like this what why what yeah you know this guy's he's well, dead. What, well, he's dead at what point is it sexy when you're digging metal out of his thigh and he's 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 doing the <laughs> doing the upside down peek through the thigh thing like none of this is <laughs> right none of this is sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Do you have any other problems? I mean, my favorite moment is... I have a problem. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I already talked about how Van Damme solves every problem with kickboxing. You know how Arnold's got his 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 pain face? His 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 pain, like... Uh-huh. Van Damme has got his go-to pain face where his like eyes are half-lidded, his mouth is open completely slack, and he shakes his head back and forth in slow motion. Like, <laughs> that's That's <laughs> it. You look at look at his movies and look yeah. at how often, especially if just sweat and blood is pouring, it's even better. But he just is like, oh, I I remember when he gets the whatever the powder, the sand, whatever. Oh, throw in his oh, eyes he puts on a clinic. Yeah, he sh- yeah. he shakes around for a good thirty seconds. Yeah, he's, slow that's, motion. That's the and that's literally the only emotion he's allowed to show, except for like a yeah. kind of wry and inappropriate smile. Because like, doesn't she like crack? 
some kind of like, what did you get yourself into at the end of his rampage through the diner? And he just kind of smirks. Oh, yeah. Where did yeah. that come and from? And he eats his popcorn. Yeah. yeah. Where did that fucking come from? I don't know. All right. It's you had another moment. problem? No, no, no. I was going to say my my favorite scene. I wanted to end on a positive note. Okay. I saved my favorite scene. It's right. the, the fight in the barn uh, and him getting, Dolph Lundgren getting ground up in the machinery. Yep. I, I, I kept thinking, man, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Like the button is right there. Hit the button, grind mm-hmm. him up. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, there are so many moments like that, right? Where you think, oh, the, the bad guy is dead. Yeah. When the truck goes off the cliff and mm-hmm. it erupts into a fireball. I don't know how the fuck he survived that. <laughs> He's in the middle of the desert. It's not getting cold anytime <laughs> yeah, soon. Right. Whatever. Uh, he comes back later. Just Deus exes his way out of that. No uh-huh. problem. And then, yeah, the barn scene, I'm thinking, man, they're not going to do it. He's dying. He's on these gears or the, the this machinery. Yeah. And then he comes back again. Yeah. And finally he grinds him up. It's almost like it's too gruesome for the movie because the movie's yeah. like squeamish about showing it. And like the, they show, they cut back to uh, Private Devereaux and he's like, oh, you know, yeah. I, I thought that was, that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Where did they come up the idea of the big syringes full of the white goo? Because that's. What were those syringes? I don't, they were just muscle enhancer. I don't know. I mean, I they never showed they 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 showed that these guys were had maybe it's the thing that accelerates them, but at no point in the movie did they ever inject these guys with anything like that. Uh, they never explained yeah. like there's some universal soul like they have a memory wiping serum and whatever they did messing with them genetically to make their metabolism faster. But no, like, that was a confusing thing. They had multiple serums that they would yes. inject, and I wasn't sure which one was which at any given time. Yeah. I guess the, the ones in the chairs, the green The green, serum, that's the memory, that's the memory wiping wipe. serum that, 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 that removes yeah. their memory and, I don't know, keeps them calm and controlled, but like the white stuff just makes them stronger, faster, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if that, it, it, it takes effect immediately, too, I, I suppose. You know what else takes effect immediately? What's that? The credits in this movie. As soon as the action is done, yeah, dude, they get the fuck out, mo- and the song, Body Count, Body Count, Body Count, Dan- just Dan- comes Man. on. Do you know that that is, uh, so that was a collaborate, like Ice-T in the early 90s collaborated with this metal band, okay. and like they did all the, the music writing, and he did all the vocals, but I guess all his right, vocals like run consist DMC, of him just saying Body Count. Aerosmith thing. Body Count. Yeah, yeah, it starts immediately. Yeah, like, the, what's a denouement? This movie doesn't know what the fuck it is. No. It's like, uh, what she said, it's like, how do you feel? Like a 50-year-old man. Mm-hmm. Smash cut body count. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The movie, it's, uh, it's, uh, it knows what it's there to do. Mm-hmm. And as soon as everybody, it's done doing it, it wants you out of the theater because it needs to get, they need to clean up the popcorn from the aisles and get another, another 100 butts in those seats five minutes later. Yeah. So, yeah, no post-credit sequence. Get no. the fuck out of theater. Mm-hmm. We're going to play bad thrash <laughs> yeah. metal get rap. Get out of this movie and get into Stargate. We're going to play bad thrash metal rap to get you to get the hell out of this theater. <laughs> Body count. Yeah. Uh, what else you got? Nothing. That's All it. right. That's it for me. Uh, thanks for indulging me in the Universal Soldier. I had a lot of fond memories of it. And uh, Cecily fucking hates this movie, but I was laughing the entire... Cause like I <laughs> and just, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I... I Because uh, you had came in and seen it the day before I did, and you're like, this is a terrible movie, right? I'm like, oh, shit. I thought this movie was good. And in, 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 the, in the way that Commando's good, in the way that, like, Running Man's it's good. It's enjoyable. I wouldn't call it a good movie. No. No. And I don't know how many times I'd need to watch it the rest of my life, but I'm glad yeah. it's it's been easy 20 years since i'd seen it like i kind of wore it out that summer uh it's been 20 maybe even 25 years since i've seen this movie last and uh (laughs) the stuff that holds up holds up and the stuff that didn't didn't 
But yeah, 1992 Universal Soldier. We'll be back next week with another movie, which is something from way back uh, in our in our youth. 1992 Sneakers. This is one I do remember being good. I hope it holds up. It's it's a movie about hackers. Uh, the head hacker is Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. It's got uh, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd Sydney scares Poitier. me. Yeah, I, I I don't like Dan Aykroyd. So. I don't like Dan Aykroyd either. I hope he doesn't ruin this and movie. And I, 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 he's a conspiracy nut. He's essentially yeah. playing himself in this movie. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, join us next week when we we look at that. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>